Okay, good to mind. So today we are doing Thursday's portion of Zeis Habracha. We're going through the various blessings for the tribes, which of course were specifically designated to those specific tribes, but truly, in the end, we will say all the blessings are for all the tribes. So we begin, we're in chapter 33, verse 22. And of Dun, he said, Dun is a lion's cub. He springs from the Bashan. So Rashi says, Dun is a lion's club, cub. Since Dun lived by the border, Moses compared him to the lion, meaning to have that strength. He springs from the Bashan. The Rashi here gives two different explanations on what that means. And both of them connect to the Jordan River. So the first explanation, he explains it as Targum Unquis explains it, that the Jordan goes from his portion from the cave of Pamias, meaning the Jordan doesn't start there. The Jordan's starting part, starting point, if we look at it, is in the Bashan. And that is not the territory of Dun. That's the territory of Menashe. So the Jordan starts off as a small stream in the Bashan, but it becomes a river when it emerges from the cave of Pamias in the territory of Dun. That's the first explanation of Rashi. The second explanation, again looking at the Jordan, is that just as the Jordan, so to speak, is divided into two places, so too the tribe of Dun spread itself across two places. Now to understand this idea of two places, Rashi is sort of looking at the land of Israel as being divided into two halves with the border between the two halves, the northern border of the territory of Judah. So the Jordan flows all the way from the north, from the cave of Pamias, in Dun's portion, on the eastern boundary of the land of Israel, and it continues flowing all the way until it reaches the northern edge of the Dead Sea. Now, the northern edge of the Dead Sea is already in the portion of Judah. So that's in the southern half of the land of Israel. So we're considering then the Jordan to flow between two halves of Israel. Starts off in the northern half, the territory of Dun, and goes all the way till the territory of Judah, the southern half. So just as the Jordan does that, so too the tribe of Dun did that. How did the tribe of Dun do this? Because Dun started off from in the west, and then they needed more land and they expanded east. So they went from the west to the east, which would mean then this phrase, he spurts from the Bashan, is telling you that Dun's territory, which started off in the west, went all the way to a second portion adjacent to the Bashan, which is bordering the land of Israel in the east. The next verse, that was the blessing for Dun, for Naphtali now. And of Naphtali, he said, Naphtali, fulfilled of desire and filled with the blessing of God, take possession of the sea and south. So what does this mean, fulfilled of desire? So Rashi looks at these words as talking about the territory of Naphtali, that his land satisfied all that their inhabitants would desire. Next phrase, take possession of the sea and south. So Rashi explained that the Sea of Kinneret fell in the portion of Dun, and he had a portion of the sea itself. He had a portion, the width of a rope's length of a fishing net at the southern part, to be able to spread their nets 
and snares. Meaning, the land of Naphtali was to the north and west of the Sea of Kinneret. But the tribe was granted a strip at the south of the sea, wide enough to have fishing nets there. Final Rashi on this verse, Yerusha, take possession. So Rashi, this whole Rashi is explaining that this is an imperative. It's a command. Meaning, Yerusha, I might think of like, Racha, Tzedakah, noun. Tzedakah means charity. Bracha means a blessing. So Yerusha would mean an inheritance. Which makes sense. In the verse, I could say, the sea and the south are his inheritance. So Rashi says, no, that's not what it means. It actually means a command. Take possession of the sea and the south. How does Rashi prove that? Based on the accent. The accent is on the next to last syllable of the word, on the resh. And that accent on the next to last syllable, according to Jewish grammar, biblical grammar, means this is sevoy. This is an imperative. It is telling you what to do. Take inheritance. Take possession. That was the blessing of Naphtali. Next verse, Usher. And of Usher, he said, blessed with sons is Usher. He shall be pleasing to his brothers and dip his foot in oil. So Rashi explained, blessed with sons is Usher. Rashi said, I see in Sifri that Usher was blessed with sons more than any of the other tribes. And Rashi says, but I don't know how. So Rashi doesn't know how. What, what does this mean here? In other words, when we're looking at this verse, this phrase, it, you could understand that the most blessed of sons is Usher. But Moses wouldn't have said that. Like, is he saying one tribe is more blessed than the other tribes? And we don't see that historically, that Usher was a more blessed tribe than any of the others. So Rashi, therefore, is saying it doesn't mean Usher is more blessed than any of the tribes. But rather, Usher's sons, Usher is blessed with his sons, that his sons have some special blessing, but Rashi says, I don't know what it is. I think it's interesting because there are exactly 77, of course, that's a significant number, like 770. There are 77 places throughout Scripture where Rashi says he doesn't know the meaning or significance of a verse. Next phrase. He shall be pleasing to his brothers. So Rashi gives us two explanations here. The first one is, he made himself pleasing to his brothers with a special oil. Ampikinon oil. Ampikinon oil is oil from olives that have only reached a third of their growth. It was a very pure oil that was used for cosmetic purposes. So he was pleasing to his brothers with the oil, and they would please him with produce. In other words, they would make this harder. Because if you look at the phrase in the Hebrew, it could either mean pleasing to his brothers or pleased by his brothers. The Rashi is explaining it means both. He was pleasing to his brothers with the oil, and he was pleased by his brothers with their produce. That's the first explanation. Then Rashi says the second explanation of he shall be pleasing to his brothers is that his daughters were very beautiful, and they would marry the high priests and the kings that are anointed with oil. As Rashi gives an example here of a man who was called Bir Zayis, why was it called Birzoyas? Birzoyas is a contraction of two words, Bar Zayas, a person of olive oil. And his daughters married the high priest and the king. Now, why is this making a person of olive oil? Because the high 
priests and the kings are anointed with olive oil. So his daughters married them, so he became like, you know, their father-in-law, the person of olive oil. Last verse, and dip his foot in oil. The Rashi explains that his land, the land of Usher, had so much oil that there was an incident in which people in certain town, Lutkia, needed oil, and they pointed this non-Jewish emissary, who there's a whole story in the Gemara, that this non-Jewish town needed oil, and they said, bring us one million mana. That's like 140,000 gallons of olive oil. He went to Jerusalem. They said, go to Tyre. He went to Tyre. They said, go to Gush Halav. That's a portion of Usher's land. Remember, we're talking about the blessing of Usher. When he went to that land, they said, oh, go, to, go to so-and-so in the field. So he goes and he finds him digging ditches around his olive trees. He says, do you have one million mana of oil? And he said, wait, I'll finish my work. And he's doing his work. And he seemed like a common worker. He was like picking up stones and throwing them out of the orchard. The emissary is thinking, are these Jews making a fool of me? This guy have one million mana of oil? I think the Jews are playing a trick on me. And then when they arrived at the town, the slave brings out for the orchard owner who was acting like this common worker a jug of hot water for him. He washed his hands and feet, and then a golden cup full of oil, and he dipped his hands and feet in it, as our verse says. He's going to dip his foot in oil. And then, you know, the story continues that actually he did have this one million mana of oil, 140,000 gallons of olive oil, and he sold it to him, and then he said, do you want more? And he said, yeah, but I don't have any money. He says, okay, I'll, I'll come with you and get it. And he gave him another 180,000 mana of oil, and so the story continues, and we see here, obviously, more of the story. Sometimes people act rich and they have nothing, and sometimes someone acts like a very simple person and he has great wealth. It's made a tremendous sanctification of God's name among this non-Jewish town. Next verse. Your locks are iron and copper, and like the days of your prime, so may your old age be. So when we're looking at this, verse, your locks are iron and copper, there's two alternative ways to understand it. Either at this point, after Moses has blessed each of the tribes individually, he is now turning to all the tribes with this message, or this is actually still continuing Usher's blessing. So first, Rashi explains it as talking to all of the tribes. And the shift is because when he spoke to Usher, it was in the third person, and this verse is in the second person to indicate he's no longer talking to Usher, so he's whole Jewish people. Your locks are iron and copper, meaning the mighty warriors of each tribe lived in the border towns of the tribe's territory. So they would lock the country in that the enemies couldn't enter. So it's as if the country was closed up with locks and bars of iron and copper. Or this actually is still continuing Usher's blessing. And the land of Usher was like the lock of the land of Israel. And it was it was mountainous, the lands of Usher. And these were called locks of iron and copper because they were m- the metals of iron and copper they mined from the mountains of the lands of Usher. Now, what does it mean in like the days of your prime, so may your old age be? So here Rashi is definitely looking at this as referring to all the Jewish people. And Rashi gives two explanations. Either the word in Hebrew is dav echa, which Rashi is looking at in both explanations as the Aramaic word da'av, dalit alavav, which means to flow. And sometimes we find this in, in the biblical 
scriptures that we can switch the letters of a word, like keves and kesev both mean lamb. So dov echa, like daov in Aramaic, which means to flow. So as the days of your prime, some of your old age be, the Rashi says, just like your days are good in your onset, right, the days of your youth, those should be the days of your old age, which flow. You know, that they sort of are oozing away from you. So these days should also be blessed. That's the first explanation. The second explanation is like all the number of your days, the number of your days is flowing. All the days that you perform the will of God will be flowing. All those days will be flowing because the gold and silver will flow into the land of Israel because the land of Israel will be blessed with produce, with fruit. And all the land will be sustained by the fruits of Israel, so they're going to flow to us their silver and gold. And Rashi is saying, as long as we are serving God, our land will produce such bounty of fruit that will cause the silver and gold from the whole world to flow to Israel. Next verse. And actually the last verse. I'll say portion. There's none like God, Yeshurun, a rider of the heavens at your assistance, and in his majesty, the skies. So the first Rashi, there's none like God, Yeshurun. You should know, Yeshurun. It's as if Yeshurun, the way Rashi is looking at it, is being addressed. There's none, in other words, the verse doesn't mean there's none like the God of Yeshurun. But there's none like God, oh Yeshurun. Yeshurun here is a term for the Jewish people. There's none like God, your God, like God among all the gods of the nations. Their rock isn't like your rock. Next, a rider of the heavens. So this is God who is at your assistance. And the last Rashi, and in his majesty, in his majesty, he is a rider of the sky. Good night.